0: Awesome, awesome. Any college football fans in the house? Woo, yeah, all right. I'm a UVA fan, so our day was terrible yesterday. Like, I came in this morning at 7 o'clock for prayer, and uh, Kendall, where's Kendall? He's not even in here right now. Kendall, I saw him pick this ball up off the floor, all right? I mean, that's somebody just, like, quit on the team yesterday. If you don't know, Richmond beat them pretty bad. Any Richmond fans? Yeah, woo, yeah, I got a couple Richmond fans. Awesome, praise Jesus. All right, so, so, uh, so, so they got whipped pretty bad yesterday, and, uh, you know, there it goes. But, so, uh, so yesterday I was uh, watching football, and my son comes into the room, and he's like, Dad, are we going to do anything fun today? And like in the middle of Richmond beating the, the, the brakes off of Virginia, I'm like, this is fun. We're having fun right now. What do you mean? Are we going to do anything fun today? We're watching football. Uh, you know, it's just a miserable time in the Clark house yesterday. I'm kind of kidding, but it's, it was bad. Uh, so, yeah. So, and all the moms and the wives are like, yay, football season. Awesome, right? You guys are thrilled with it, too? Not exactly? No, no. All right. Well, I'm the campus pastor of the Mosley campus. If you don't know me, if you're, maybe if you've come to uh, Clover Hill within the last two years, you probably wouldn't know who I am. Uh, we're, we meet at Cosby High School at the 10 a.m. service on Sunday mornings. My name is Barry. Um, if you see Pastor Stan, like, jump from the 9, and then he, like, runs out, and you never know where he goes after the 9 o'clock service. And then if, you, if you're at 11 o'clock and you never see him before service, the reason is it's because he's coming. He's preaching the 10 o'clock service over at Mosley. So, so today he, uh, he gave me the opportunity to do this. So I'm thankful for it. I'm excited about what God's laid on my heart. But before I get to that, uh, I wanted to really quickly hit this Explore God. Anybody seen the Explore God billboards? Yeah, we got some Yeah, we've had some billboards up. We've had some radio ads. So, explore God has been. Uh, uh, it, it's really like uh, this thing that's unified the churches in our community. There's 140 churches. There's been $200,000 plus spent in um, in just kind of like getting people to think and wonder about about God. And and, and what happens is next week we start a new series. Pastor stands back in the pulpit. Our lead pastor, Pastor Stan Grant, he'll be back. We start a brand new series, um, just the Explore God series, and it really it really answers some of those like apologetics type questions, like what's our purpose, like why like why does God allow um, pain, you know, like things like that that people really wonder about. And all of the churches who are a part of this initiative with the Explore God are are doing the same thing. So if someone in our community sees Explore God on a billboard, if they see it or if they hear about it on the radio, like they can actually respond. They can go to the website and they can find uh, Clover Hill, or they can find one of the 140 other churches that are doing it in, in our community. And it's such an amazing thing. I don't know if there's ever been this kind of unity in the city of Richmond before among among churches at a widespread level. And you know, like a unified church is an unstoppable church, right? Like a unified church is unstoppable. And, you know, that's something that really God that, that God can really get behind is a unified church. So, you know, we're just one of the many options they would have. Uh, this kind of segues into small groups. If you're looking to join a small group, go ahead and do that pretty, uh, pretty soon. Sign-ups for... Uh, for, for small group in next Sunday, that's the eleventh of September. Uh, you know the same thing that we that we try to encourage people about as far as unity in the community, we also want unity here, like in this church right among this specific body of believers, like we want to be a unified church. It's hard to do when you come to an 11 o'clock service and there's hundreds of other people around, but it's easy to do, like when you sign up to be in a small group and there's 10, 12, 15 people in a group, so you begin to make friends in a small group, or maybe you join a, uh, one of the serving teams uh, and, you, and you begin to make some friendships and, and meet people that way, but you know, it all kind of leads together on this unity thing, so explore God, small groups, go ahead and get signed up as soon as you can. Uh, We'd really appreciate it. It really helps us if you could do it sooner rather than later as far as organizing groups and all that good stuff. All right, so we're in this How to Neighbor series. This is the last message of How to Neighbor. Pastor Stan did the first one. He talked about uh, sharing our stories and inviting people to church. Uh, Last week, Pastor Brian Briggs from Destination Church talked about being that neighbor that makes other neighbors better. So we want to be a neighbor that really like raises the bar in our neighborhoods, in our schools. Like our church can actually be that neighbor in our community. We can raise the bar on what churches are doing in, um, in Chesterfield, in Midlothian, in Virginia. Alright, so today I want to talk about, <clears throat> and, I, and I believe so strongly that God has really put this message on my heart. I want to talk about, from, from the aspect of, of being neighbors, like God has put eternity on the hearts of every one of our neighbors. Alright, God's put eternity in every single person's heart you know that rough guy that you know from work that that difficult lady that you know from work like the the people who stir up the drama the people who are always making like the crude or you know the bad jokes or or whatever like God he, he he really did like he he actually put eternity in their heart and there is potential in them to know Jesus there's potential in them to know Jesus because God's placed eternity in their hearts so I know, that, I know that we as humans, we do like some seeking, we do some searching, we do some soul finding at times in our lives. Like I'm a product of, of some of that. I grew up in a Christian home. In fact, I was uh, baptized, with, uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit at a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert uh, back when I was like in high school. So I have some, I have some memorable experiences, um, you know, in my life. I, like I had a foundation to turn back to because when I got like later on in my college years, I began to struggle. I really began to, to, to really seek and search and like really begin to wonder, you know, what is it about God? Like is God real or, or you know, just, just wondered. Like people are searching, people are seeking. God's placed eternity on their hearts and, the, and, and, and I had a foundation to turn to so I can imagine how much harder it is for our neighbors, for our community who maybe didn't grow up in the church. It's going to be hard for them to even know where to begin to turn but because God's placed eternity on their heart, they are searching and they are seeking. Ecclesiastes 3.11 is the, verse, uh, is the reference. It says, he has set eternity in the hearts of men. And it goes on to talk about how, yet, how men, how, although he has done that, like he hasn't set it in our minds. Like we can't actually fathom what God has done for, for, you know, from the beginning to the end. Like we can't fathom it with our minds. Like it's not our responsibility to explain everything about the universe, but we can say that God has done something within us. Like God has done something. He's placed eternity in our hearts. He created a searching and a seeking in our lives. And we can know and we can trust by faith that he's done the same thing in the hearts and in the lives of our neighbors. And if you doubt this for even a split second, I want to tell you that $13 billion a year gets spent on spiritual Self-help in this country. $13 billion a year. No shortage of retreat centers. No shortage of books on the topic. No shortage of CDs. No shortage of DVDs. No shortage of of maybe spiritually seeking support groups. There's no shortage of of self-help resources in our nation. So if there's no shortage of that, and yet we continue to know that people are searching and seeking and they're not finding, then what is there a shortage of? There's got to be a shortage of something. There's got to be. I mean, logic tells us if they're looking but they're not finding, but we know that there is an answer because God has placed eternity on their hearts, then there's got to be something. There's got to be something that they can find, something that God can use. So there is a shortage, and the question of the day is then, what is that shortage? And I'm just going to kind of let that sit out there for a second, for a few minutes. And uh, before I kind of jump back to it, I wanted to share a passage with you out of Matthew chapter 22. Now, this this is a passage where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, They have just uh, kind of like circled up and like started asking him some challenging, what they consider to be challenging questions. Jesus had actually, before this passage in Matthew 22, he had actually just spent some time kind of setting the Sadducees, like another religious group. Um, In in that culture, he had just kind of got them right. They had a question about like the resurrection and who's going to be married to who in the resurrection. And Jesus was like, no, you're all wrong. You got it all wrong. Here's the deal. And the Bible says like the Sadducees, like they didn't ask him any more questions. Like they were, you know, they knew he, he had authority. Um, but for whatever reason, the Pharisees thought that they could trap him, so they tried. And, you know, they, the Pharisees were all, they were a people who really wanted to, uh, to rate the commandments. Sometimes we do that, right? Like, we rate, like, sin, like, some stuff is more severe than others. So, so the Pharisees wanted to know, like, from Jesus' perspective, what was the greatest of the commandments? Because, again, they were people who liked to rate uh, the commandments and rate the laws. And Jesus told them, he said, he said, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all of the law of the prophets was, is fulfilled. If you can do these two things, if you can love God and you can love people. And then later in John chapter 14, verse 15, we know that Jesus also tells his followers that if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey me. So the greatest commandment is to love him if we love him we obey him so our love for god then is demonstrated is demonstrated through our obedience All right? and we know that the we know that the last uh, commandment that jesus gave before he left this earth before he ascended to heaven was that he told his followers he said